some soccer! I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks! Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. My name is Seth Bertelny. Alongside me, Pablo Maurer, Thomas Floyd. Guys, I know there's an MLS game going on right now, so we might be losing a little bit of listenership to that. But the good news is it's halftime, and Alan Chapman has already successfully ruined the game. So you can, <laughs> you can tune in for the rest of our show. Uh, yeah. Uh, was that the worst penalty kick call you've seen in MLS? I mean, it was up there. Like, Dom Dwyer just got a little bit of a tug. Didn't change anything that he was doing on that play. Just kind of carried on going. And then, like, three seconds later, Chapman points to the spot. I think Dwyer might have been the most surprised person out of anyone that he actually earned a PK there. I feel like you see a lot more awful non-calls than awful calls when it comes to PKs in MLS. Yeah, sometimes the physicality does get a little out of hand. So, yeah, anyways, as always, 347-756-6276. Call us. Uh, we'll talk about whatever. What are we talking about? Tonight? DC United, MLS. Uh, the USL Player of the Week. USL Player of the Week. Let's go ahead and get that do you guys? Do you guys want to maybe take a little guess who it was? Um, uh, Grant Vanda Castile. Uh... No. Ugh. Incorrect. Good try. John- Jonathan Top. Jonathan Top. Uh, uh, Luke Mishu. Oh, you're getting closer. Luke Mishu. No, no farther, farther. Ugh. Was it Long Town? It was Long Town. Do the do the ding sound. It was. <laughs> it was Long Town. <laughs> it was Long Tan. Long Tan. Two goals. One of them was a PK. One of them was not a PK. <laughs> Both of them contributed to an Arizona United comeback win. I believe they were down 2-0 and came back to win 3-2, if somebody, I'm not, not Somebody mistaken. correct me if I'm wrong here. John, uh, Lontana's uh, Arizona United's all-time leading scorer. I know there's probably some AZ United people out there. If I'm wrong, correct me. But I'm, we're just going to go ahead and call it. I think Long Tan is also DC United's all-time leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken. I think uh, World Cup all-time leading scorer also. Right, yeah. He, he passed Closa sometime recently. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, so many of you are probably familiar with uh, some of the SAP supercuts that we've been doing in recent weeks. So we're going to introduce a new feature, which is... Kind of a new feature, not really a new feature, but sort of a new feature. Uh, it's the SAP clip of the week. Yeah, it's just a little too labor intensive to put together these supercuts. I mean, and we could literally spend all day doing it, you know. Yeah, the the sheer mass of content that each of these matches provides on the commentary level is it's incredible. It would be it would be too much for us to ask our dear friend Pablo, to put together a supercut every yeah. week. So let's do a little background here on this week's before we roll it out. Um, so, so mainly Seth and I, I, I don't think Thomas is this classless, but Seth and I have <laughs> taken a tweeting at the commentators because, you know, 
the the shitstorm that we've kicked up or that and that I single handedly have tried to, you'd think they'd know who, who we were. <laughs> so I, I'll tweet something ridiculous and just assume that they see it and roll their eyes. The problem is they keep reading our tweets on the air. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I mean, I, I think that it all started, ironically enough, in a uh, NYCFC Chicago game uh, from a few weeks back, in which they started reading tweets at them comparing the merits of chicago style deep dish pizza to new york pizza at at that point we were inspired and spurred on to tweet as much as possible about things as irrelevant to soccer as possible to try to get them to read it on air so let's uh let's let's then go ahead and unveil uh this week's mls sap clip of the week the green rectangle really it's a four four Three one. Giles Barnes. Javon Watson. Max Desperado. Welcome to the MLS SAP Clip of the Week. Clip of the Week. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I just love the use of the MLS anthem. Yeah. Yeah. So, without further ado, this this is an actual tweet of mine that they read on the air, and they read it literally seconds. After NYCFC uh, scores a stoppage time equalizer to tie the game. <laughs> with an unbelievable effort, Paula Mant down, comes back to tie this game. Incredible. Pablo Mauro says it best at MLSs. I love Chicago-style pizza, but New York-style is the best. New York City till we die. Love you guys. <laughs> so, really you, you even got the Twitter handle plug and everything. That's yeah, I just incredible. I like I like the 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 statement Pablo Mauer says it best. Like Paul <laughs> Calgary is paid; he's a color commentator for this game. <laughs> Dramatic late game equalizer, and his choice is to hand it off to good old Pablo Mauer talking about Chicago style deep dish pizza. <laughs> I, I could just imagine Martin Tyler, you know, when, when Sergio Aguero scored course, the uh, yeah. Premier League winning goal a couple years ago, being like, oh, there it is. Manchester, Manchester City have won the league, and they have the best meat pies in all of England, yeah, exactly. says <laughs> random person on Twitter. Right. Awful. Awful. Um, anyways, yeah. So, so just stay tuned. We'll have one of those a week. And, I mean... For the next three weeks until that entire crew is fired, we'll, we'll bring you the MLS SAP clip. <laughs> well, of the week. right. I mean, that's that, that's kind of now the uh, the subplot to this is you know they're 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 obviously horrible, but we're we're, we're sort of starting to love them. So I'll yeah, be sad when we're gone. The, how, how much longer is it going to last? I, I do feel like this is going to be a a special time in MLS history that we look back on with true fondness. Yeah, I mean, for the love of God, they read Pablo's tweet <laughs> on national television after a stoppage time equalizing goal. Like, that is just the gift that keeps on giving. All right. Um, let's move on to non-MLS SAP stuff. DC United on Sunday evening uh, finally having their eight-game unbeaten streak snapped at the hands of the free-falling, uh, bottom-feeding Philadelphia Union. <laughs> Well, Somehow, I, yeah, Charlie Bohm said it on Twitter before, and it ended up being true that it was a big, big time trap game. Oh, of course, yeah, um, and, and also it's it's MLS. You yeah. go on the road and face anyone, and you know there there are no guarantees in this league. Stoppage time, uh, stoppage time goal by by the Union to send uh, DC packing from Zach Pfeffer. 
Are you trying out for MLS SAP? <laughs> Zake Pfeffer, dramatic <laughs> stoppage time goal, and I couldn't have said it better than Seth Bertelli did. <laughs> and Philly cheesesteaks, <laughs> far superior to. I don't know, jumbo the, slice? Half smoke. Half smoke. Half smoke. Apparently, yeah. there is a, a, a style of DC cheesesteaks. I've seen it at places around what? here. Yeah, it, it has like lettuce and tomato and stuff on it. It's not good. That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to be more like Philly and have nothing but nacho cheese. Yeah, it doesn't and work meat. that way. You can't just be like, oh, this is, uh, you know, like Richmond style pizza. We just put sand on it. <laughs> like you can't ruin a food and then, you know. Uh, Anyways. Yeah, DC. It's uh, uh, what, what are we thoughts on the lineup selection? Obviously, yes, what are we thoughts on them? <laughs> I was gonna let that slide, but Is, I didn't even realize I said that. We we can edit that. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah, get that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, it's not live or anything. Uh, so we have Fabian Spindola and Nick DeLeon already sidelined. In addition to that, DC chooses to give uh, Sean Franklin the night off at right back. It's a coach's decision. And also uh, rests Chris Pontius and Luis Silva, who Silva's status, you know, a little more iffy. But Pontius had been a game-in, game-out starter. Bring those guys off the bench. Start Miguel Aguilar, Michael Farfan on the flanks, Arietta up top. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of backups in there. Do we think that was the right decision, or should they have gone for the three points in this game? And not, it was good. And not worried so much about uh, I, I don't. I didn't really see the need to rest Franklin, for example. I mean, key yeah. contributor, outside back, how leggy really is he? You know what I mean? Um, I think we talked about this before the show. The show. I, I think it is – I think you – if you have to keep Pontius in there. You can't have three, you know, players who have very little experience – Playing together and starting, you know, I, I think I think Chris probably would have made a pretty big difference. Yeah, I, I think you could have put Pontius in either an Aguilar spot or Arietta spot, but I do think that was maybe that was just one too many players regulars to have out of the lineup in this game. You know, when you maybe you could have rested Pontius if everyone else is healthy, but when you're already missing attacking weapons like a Spindola and Delium to also give Pontius the night off, I mean. Ultimately, you know, maybe it didn't make a difference. They, you know, they they did bring on Pontius and Silva for 30 minutes off the bench, or Silva a little less than that because he had to exit early with another injury, and it didn't get them the result. They they lost it late anyway. But uh, it's, I mean, I, I'll say this: it's it's a long season, and pretty much every team makes the playoffs in MLS. So if you're uh, if you're Ben Olsen, maybe you sacrifice this. Obviously, they didn't see it as a sacrifice, but you accept that you lost this point on the road. You would have otherwise learned because in the grand scheme of things, maybe it's better to make sure Franklin and Pontius stay rested and stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they've sort of built themselves a bit of a cushion right? where they're able to essentially just try stuff and, and see how far they can push it. And maybe this was the game where they wanted to see, okay, can we start this particular lineup and still come out of Philly with a point? I mean, we've already got, you know, the, the come-from-behind win in midweek against Orlando City. So I, I don't mind. And, and also, I, I like the fact that he gave Aguilar the start, you know, yeah. especially with Silva looking iffy. I mean, we, we'll get to this in a little bit, but they have a little bit of an injury crisis in midfield right now. So 
I, I think it's nice to give Aguilar a shot, and you know he almost scored a, a nice goal, ended up hitting the post. Yeah, I think um, Miguel is a player that a lot of fans wanted to see out there, and I, I can't lie. I mean, the kid's entertaining as hell to watch, and he he has that hunger. You know, the second he takes the field, he looks like you know sort of like hyperactive, hyper alert, you know, type of player. I mean, it has a lot to do, obviously, with being an untested rookie. And it will. He will get burned eventually for it, you know, but it's certainly fun to watch. It's so good on the ball. He, He's so hard to dispossess. Yeah, it's interesting with him. Uh, I, I thought in his start against the Union, that was his most ineffective performance and that he didn't really find the way into the game. He had that one moment where he did hit the post. And obviously, if that goes in, everything else pretty much is a moot point. But... Uh, I, I do kind of wonder if his style of play maybe lends itself to being a, a spark off the bench more than a guy you'd want as a starter because he really had uh, gotten a knack for coming on and just providing a lot of energy on the flank, running at defenders. Uh, he drew the foul that led to a big set-piece goal against Orlando midweek in that 2-1 to one win, and it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where he fits into the equation going forward. Yeah, but he might have a little bit more of a role to play in the next few weeks because of the aforementioned injury crisis. Uh, Silva, who never really appeared to be at full fitness, even after coming back from a hamstring injury three or four games into the season, you know, he only got one start. He kept coming off the bench playing 15 minutes at a time, basically, and then uh, re-injures the hamstring against... uh, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So, um, you yeah. know, he said it wasn't as bad this time, but I, I would imagine they're going to be pretty cautious well, with him. We got to, some... be, to be clear, it was it, it was the other hamstring. Oh, it was? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, my um, mistake. And we got a little interesting insight from Benny today at training. He said that they they haven't gotten the scan yet, but his his guess, based on the information they have, is that it's a minor injury, kind of a 7- to 10-day hamstring tweak, but... He said that they're going to be very careful with it and that they're looking into what needs to be done to fix this. So it wouldn't surprise me if DC really draws this out and makes sure that he, when he comes back, it is completely solved. I, I don't know what that means if you know there's uh, if they're going to explore surgery or something. I mean, it was a very vague quote from Olsen, but it, it made you think that they're looking into other methods and just letting him recover from this and, and getting him back in there. Right. So you, you have Silva hurt, you have DeLeon hurt, and then uh, Espindola, which is uh, one of the more unfortunate ones because yeah. he was suspended the first six games, comes back, makes a big impact, scores a goal, gets an assist, and then immediately gets injured again, and now he's out for a few weeks. So I think, yeah, what we got from Ben today was um, – Espindola also is probably like a seven to ten day thing. Um, ben didn't want to, you know. Actually, asked him, "Is this a you know two th- two to three week type of deal?" And um, he seemed to think it'd be a shorter time frame. But you also never know with Ben. He's he's uh, you know very very typically sort of coy and doesn't talk a lot about injuries. And it wouldn't be the first time that he gave the press bad info. Even you yeah. know there, um, there was one time where. I asked him for an injury update, and he said, nope, no update. And then after, like, a five-second pause, goes, that's a lie. <laughs> like, did you, and, like, did you see how easy that was? <laughs> so Yeah, there was also a day when we randomly got Chad Ashton. Were you there for that? That was I the EJ day. Oh, I don't think I was there. We got there. Chad Ashton, yeah. and I just asked him, like, six injury questions. He, he answered them all instantly and very honestly. 
And then Ben came in, and you could tell that Ben Olsen was furious with Chad Ashton. <laughs> um, like, this is not how you handle this. And there was, uh, there was an instance at the uh, MLS draft where I asked Casper and Benny the same question about whether they were bringing back uh, players who had been cut last year as trialists for this season, and they gave me two completely different answers. <laughs> like uh, Benny was like, yeah, I think so. And Casper goes, nope, none. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it's uh, you know, a bit of a wild card there. Yeah, so uh, in in the uh, Philadelphia game, we saw the first starting appearance of Marcus Halsey next to uh, Perry Kitchen in midfield, replacing Davy Arnault. Uh, thoughts on on his performance, and and do we expect to see him establish himself as a starter in that position? And uh, how does he fit in? Also in defense, uh, he was expected to play a little bit of center back. We've got we've got uh, Kofi Opari back there playing pretty well, and Burnbaum's still out. Uh, where does where does he fit in? I think Halsey, he will fit in as a as a central midfielder going forward. It, Birnbaum's been on the bench for the past few games, and I, I bet we'll see him back in the starting lineup this weekend against New England. Uh, Apare's filled in well, but I still, I mean, this is a U.S. national team level center back. You know, you got again back in there. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I talked to Ben, and he said, uh, but I got the impression he was just sort of going through the motion and said, well, yeah, you know, obviously this is Steve's, job he has to earn back at this point you know but yeah y- you hear him say that and you sort of think to yourself all right literally the first time that Kofi Opari does anything bad he loses his job yeah. you uh, know. well he already has I was gonna say Opari's yeah. uh, he's been steady especially considering he's you know the number four center back on this roster been forced into action they've gotten results with him but I will say a lot of the goals they've conceded have been kind of at least partially on him I, I think that if Benny wants to put Birnbaum back in there, uh, it's not like Opare has been completely flawless. Yeah, I think I think Opare, what he's done is establish himself as an MLS-level player. And right. he's done a good job in doing that. He's established himself as a guy who's worth having on a roster as a number three or number four center back. Uh, and, and potentially as a Canada national team star. Well, right. <laughs> I mean, uh, the fact that he is on an MLS roster is better than most players for Canada who are, of course, members of Unattached FC. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But to get back to Halsty, uh, it's it's interesting. uh, Me and Pablo were at training today, and we spoke to Marcus. I also talked to Perry Kitchen about the dynamic between them and central midfield. And there is a sense it's a bit of a work in progress, uh, whereas Perry and Davey, it's a well-oiled machine. They understand each other. Uh, they both go forward. They both track back, and the communication is very good. Uh, Halsey is a little more defensive, and this created situations where he was saying that he and Perry were both chasing after the same balls in, in defensive spots, and 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 also maybe they weren't uh, getting on the ball as much as they should have. Uh, they weren't as mobile as they should have been, and Benny thought that the team kind of bypassed them a bit too much. So uh, th- there's a sense that, you know, the Halsty kitchen dynamic isn't, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. So it wouldn't surprise me if we get a, a lot of kitchen Arnaud going forward with Halsty being phased in, potentially taking over that role 
later in the season, but maybe not being the automatic starter in central midfield that we thought he would be when he signed with the team in the offseason. Sporting Kansas City, by the way, now up 16-1 to <laughs> on uh, the New England Revolution. Yeah, uh, I think especially with U.S. Open Cup and CCL later in the summer, I think you'll see a mix anyways, one way or the other, you know. Right. Um, uh, and going into this year, I think the plan was always to sort of phase Davy out of that starting role, get him, you know, especially because he's played throughout his career. He's played center mid out wide, even forward, you know. I yeah. mean, he's kind of the ultimate utility man off the bench. I mean, if DC wanted, uh, I mean, Arnaud began last season as their starter on the flank, on the right side of midfield. Maybe with their current injury situation, we could see Halsey and Arno out there. Maybe against New England, Halsey starts next to the Kitchen, and you put Davy on the on one of the flanks. So a lot of possibilities with with these players. And also in the summer, there's the possibility that Perry Kitchen could be on the Gold Cup team. He's probably outside looking in at this point, but you never know with injuries. A lot can change over the next couple months. And if Kitchen is gone for a month, maybe we see the Halsey Arno pairing in central midfield for maybe, a bunch of games maybe Jurgen Klinsmann watches this sporting KC New England game and decides to cut Jermaine <laughs> Jones <laughs> from his uh his roster and then you might lose kitchen yeah uh, I, I mean I will say uh Beckerman hasn't been great the past couple weeks for RSL will traps been injured I I think kitchen might be a bigger factor in that national team conversation than we uh may have may have thought just a few weeks ago yeah, yeah I, I have bear in mind kitchen and Birnbaum both uh, they were players that Klinsman went out of his way to off, offer a compliment to. Yeah. After the last camp, you know, so certainly is that you know they're still on his radar. And Perry Kitchen didn't uh, criticize the fact that he, that he was played <laughs> in a uh, out of position, unlike some defensive midfielders yeah. in the U.S. picture. <laughs> yeah. Well, did he really criticize? It was more like not really. No. But no. he. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Thomas is referring to Will Trapp, who made his U.S. national team debut against Chile and immediately was put into wide midfield, wide which midfield, he has yeah. never we'll, played we'll, before. We'll just call that his testimonial match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's funny. I, I, yeah. I, I, shortly after that camp ended, I did a sit down with Matt Hedges, and it, Hedges also was played out of position, like right back, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, I asked him the question, and I knew I had to be careful about it because the trap thing had sort of blown up. I said, you know, did, you know, how was it? Were you surprised you played at fullback? And you know, did uh, Jurgen have a lot of communication with you about that? And he just sort of looked at me like, "Don't ask me this question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me this question." And then, he, and then, like after a few seconds, I was just like, "Okay, I, I get what you're going at here. Next question." You know, like, did, you, did you ask that and just have complete silence as a response, and him just staring? He at sort you? of was like silent, and then he just sort of like smiled, like. You know, <laughs> looked at me and uh, yeah. I, I knew it was time to move on. I, I will say, like, I thought Trapp's comments were pretty innocuous. But, 100%. But also, Klinsman seems like the type of person who might ta- might not take kindly to even innocuous comments. Yeah, it like was, I mean, it yeah. was more just expressing a little bit of surprise that that's where he was put, which I think anybody who's ever watched Will Trapp would agree that it was a bit of a surprise to well, see him. I think put we can also at, agree at that I mean, midfield. it is it is yeah. a little odd not to get any input at the stuff that I was hearing out of that camp was these guys literally got no input as to where they were going to play, yeah. and then day of game it was like, oh, you're you know I right mean, back. Or this, you know. this goes way back to the Brian Strauss 
sport sporting news expose where uh before world cup qualifier he had a completely different lineup training uh he had eddie johnson training as a forward ej ends up starting as a wide midfielder in that game all this has kind of been a, a staple of the klinsman era that isn't going away anytime soon yeah the, the the one devil's advocate argument that that i saw with regards to trap and I, i'm wondering what your guys opinion of this is is that klinsman intentionally puts trap and maybe other players into positions where they're uncomfortable just to see how they're going to react. And in doing so, he can kind of gauge how they're going to do in the future. Maybe if the U.S. is in an uncomfortable situation, like down a goal and needing to score or protecting a lead or, you know, something like that. You know what I'm going to do is uh, if I ever have a child, you know, when they turn 15 or 16, I'm going to teach them how to drive via that philosophy. I'm gonna like walk down to the car and be like, "By the way, it's a stick shift," and then just, <laughs> just get in and drive it, you know. Or alternatively, if they're like four or five years old, just don't feed them. You yeah. Know? And like, yeah, like, all exactly. right, like here's the kitchen. Make yourself some dinner. Right. You're you know? like, here's your dinner. Uh, full disclosure, it's a plate of gravel. <laughs> you see how you respond to this? Don't put it in your mouth. Oh, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> um, so speaking of the DC United injury crisis, helping that out. Presumably is the signing of Argentine midfielder forward Facundo Correa. Is that how it's pronounced? I, I'm going to... Facundo def- Correa? Yeah, there we go. It's close enough. That was beautiful. Gracias. What, what are our thoughts on, uh, on this signing with... I mean, it seems like on, on one hand, it's kind of redundant. He's a, he's a second forward who also can play on the left flank, a la... Chris Rolfe, a la Chris Pontius, a la it seems like several players on this DC United roster. On the other hand, they they need cover at these positions with the injury problems they are right now. Well, we all remember, um, you know, the club mentioned this in their press release, his breakout season in 2010 <laughs> where he scored five goals in 36 games. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to know what to make of him. It, it's one of those signings, and you get a lot of these in MLS, right, where it's, it's a, maybe a South American player. He's only 28. He has right off the bat. You see, he's 5'11", which for his yeah. position is pretty damn awesome, you know, um, and and just a little strange. Yeah. Uh, then you see that he's been at eight clubs in eight years yeah. and, and he, hasn't yeah. played a match since January. But then you see he was sold to Villarreal as part of a. He was considered a promising player at one point. So it's yeah, but uh, then you see they loaned him out four or five times. Right, and he didn't score one goal. Yeah, so, so a lot of you know we really don't know. I feel like he could be a real contributor for DC, or he could be he could go the entire season without playing a minute and be released in November, and we'll and we'll just be like, oh yeah, I forgot that guy was on the team. Yeah, well, one thing Pablo told me. Uh, which I wasn't aware of, is I I figured that his signing was kind of a response to some of these injuries that they've been having in midfield, but uh, Pablo said that that was not the case, and they've been working on signing him for a long time. So I want to also point out, um, I... Because I knew nothing about this guy, I pulled up, you know, quote-unquote mixtape kind of thing on YouTube, and I just want to point out two of the songs that... This doesn't make any sense. This is the soundtrack to this Facunda Coria mixtape. One of the songs is... Like, not your usual blend of like the other house one, music. right? So you see this swingers, you know. The even weirder one is. <laughs> He's had eight of them in eight years. Okay. 
The other one is this, even weirder. This, Miss, Mr. Wendell by Arrested Development. It's uh, Britney Spears. But yeah. Uh, so, are you so this, with Mr. Wendell? So this is Dustin. I'm sorry. So this, now I want to make I want to make some mixtapes on YouTube of player highlights and put the most ridiculous songs on them, like maybe some. Uh, like uh, Elliot Smith, Elliot's. needle in the hay. <laughs> yeah, <There you laughs> it's just go. like. Let's uh, take a, a question from Twitter. Spencer Jones, who has a better chance of another U.S. national team call, Benny Philhaber or Charlie Davies? Ooh, that's an interesting that's question. A, the way Benny Philhaber is playing tonight, <laughs> probably. Well, I don't know. It's, well, it's well, still a toss up. Yeah, Philhaber had one bad giveaway, but then yeah. had uh, a couple other. The nice thing, plays the thing I would say is that I feel as though Klinsman has given Philhaber. A look, many looks, yeah. and just doesn't seem to really be a fan for whatever reason. Whereas Davies obviously hasn't gotten called into the national team since before his car accident. He's on a bit of an upward trajectory and at a position where the U.S. is a little bit thin. So I would say that, that Davies would, would be the answer to that. But I, I think they're both going to get called up at some point. You think so? See, I think uh, I, I think Failhaber is a player who deserves to be in the national team picture like 100 percent. i think he's been the best box-to-box midfielder in the mls for the past year year and a half now uh better than michael bradley better than uh, a lot of a lot of players and i i'm a little mystified why he's gotten those looks and when he does play for klinsman it's he gets you know a few minutes off the bench and then goes another year without a call-up uh so but that said, like I, like you said, I think Klinsman just doesn't rate him, and I think the ship has sailed for Failhaber, and that the last World Cup cycle was probably it for him. Uh, whereas Davies, he's uh, a player who is an unknown to Klinsman, has never played for Klinsman. So I think I, I could see a scenario where Davies gets the call up, especially now with maybe the Josie Altidore injury. Maybe we see Charlie for these upcoming friendlies against uh was it the Netherlands and Germany, right? No, yeah, I, 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 I'll be the first person to eat my words if Charlie Davies makes the U.S. national team. I mean, I've been making fun of his Twitter profile for about two years now that says U.S. national team number nine, Charlie Davies. Well, it, that is something that's probably worth a little bit of ridicule yeah. considering <laughs> it's been over five years since he's been on the team. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, what a story that would be if he made it back. And, I mean, I think he, you know... Watching him in the Confederations Cup or even, you know, against Mexico when he scored that goal, you sort of thought like you were maybe watching the next big thing, you know. So if he can recapture any of that form. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it seems like a long time ago, but, but you know, it wasn't this is, but at, the, yeah, yeah, and this is a guy who got off to a really good start with uh, so show in, in Ligue 1 mm-hmm. at and the time. scored tons of goals in Scandinavia. Yeah, I mean, this was, yeah. this was a, a guy who was positioning himself – for a move to a big club, but uh, it, it's a little bit of a depressing tale. Uh, should, should we talk a little bit more about that uh, U.S. national team forward situation? We were going to get to this a little later, but uh, Josie, you know, Josie Altidore Josie. Uh, no. does his hamstring, much like Luis Silva, it's his other hamstring, not the World Cup hamstring. By the way, so real quick, does this affect your pick? What was your pick that TFC would win Euro Champions League this year or something? <laughs> Uh, was, uh, I think that it's that TFC will gain special entry to the World Cup and win it 
No, you heard, uh, it, heard it here first. Uh, TFC, first ever champions of space soccer <laughs> this year. Thomas Floyd's calling it. A uh, huge blow to TFC. I, yeah. This is a obviously it, a huge blow. And the, they had kind of been getting on a roll. They the the yeah. Javinko outdoor combination was clicking. Michael Bradley's been, you know, well, played well the last game at least. Uh, I mean, their defense is still a mess. Um, at some point, maybe they'll address that. But you, you we're getting the sense that with the firepower they had, they're ready to make a run in the East. And now the Javinko Luke Moore partnership isn't quite as sexy as the <laughs> Javinko Josie Altador duo. So uh, we'll see. I, I still think, you know, Toronto C, they could win the Eastern conference because, because playoffs. Oh, uh, that, that ESPN salary list that came out today. Yeah. I was, I was Jovinko, telling you Jovinko's uh, salary three million dollars more than DC United's entire payroll. Okay, uh, I'm I'm still uh, has this been addressed? I'm questioning many aspects of that list. The New York Red Bulls have a higher salary than the Sounders. How is Sasha Kleshin making six million a year? Yeah, like, they offloaded their. I mean, Cahill was. Such they got a rid of dream. Cahill and Henri. I mean, I, you can't even you can't trust the salary figures from the players' union. So. I don't know how you can trust salary figures yeah. from ESPN. Watch like Mike Grella was signed to a seven million dollar deal. Or something. <laughs> uh, well, Jesse he did. Marsh. He did play for Leeds. Yeah, uh, which at one point was in the Champions League semifinals. Right. Yeah. Big time. I mean, that was two thousand one. Did you not on that They list. were there, oh, I, and I believe didn't they win like the European Cup with uh, Michael Sheen managing them in the <laughs> yeah, in the seventies? So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> DC United, by the way, second to last on that list. It's weird because they've been in the middle of that list for 10 yeah. years, and now all of a sudden they're... I mean, the thing is, the nature of the list is you have a bunch of teams that's very staggered at the top, a lot of distance between a lot of teams, and then the bottom half of the list is everyone who's just filling the salary cap. It's, yeah. it's pretty... Everyone's pretty tight together in the, sec- in the bottom half. Yeah, so with Josie, I mean, I think TFC might be hurt by this a little bit, especially because this is probably going to take him right up to the Gold Cup, which, if the timetable for his injury is accurate, then he'll go straight straight to the U.S. national team, yeah. and then he'll be out a total of two months instead mm-hmm. of one month or five weeks. So that hurts TFC. For, for the U.S. national team, uh, this gives Klinsman, ironically, a little bit of a chance to test out a scenario that he should have tested out last summer right. for the World Cup, which is... Resigning ha- from his job? <laughs> sorry. Um, no, Pablo. Uh, testing out how they can replace Josie uh, and what sort of formation they would be looking at doing so with... Um, would they go Johansson by himself? We saw that didn't really work at the World Cup or yeah. more of a two-forward formation. I, I think they should they should do what they should have done last summer. Call up EJ. And I, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> I was going to say EJ finally gets that call up. Oh, no, never mind. Um, no, uh, the Johansson thing's interesting because I, I feel like it's become kind of a, a consensus that his – pretty bad performance against God in the World Cup was largely injury-based, that he was carrying an ankle injury into the tournament. and He's scoring some outrageous goals right, yeah. right now. I, so. um, I, I do wonder if... Uh, I mean, where are the other options? Obviously, Juan Agadello came off the bench and scored in their last game. Is it Jordan Morris time? Uh, do Chad, Chad Barrett. Chad Barrett. <laughs> Chad, Chad Barrett, Barrett on fire. Has mm-hmm. scores, has, scores two goals in his first start of the season. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh Connor Doyle. Con- Connor Doyle. <laughs> yeah. Um it's uh it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I I do think it's going to be Johansson's Johansson's chance. Um uh, as, especially because it really is thin up there. Terrence Boyd still recovering from the torn ACL, right? Yeah. Um you have uh Jassi Zardes off to a slow start in the MLS season. I I don't uh, Jordan Morris is he's in college. Wando Wando is Wando, so we don't want that happening. Dude, um, Wando. I'm telling you, Wando is going to be It's going to be Wando. He, Wando and Aaron Johansson in the final against Mexico. And then Wando. Wando, Wando. I feel like we're falling into a pattern of Wando keeps getting chances to redeem himself, and it's going to be like a, more, more a Lucy with the football situation. Yeah. Um, He's but, scoring goals in MLS, though. He continues to do that yeah, he, and he's scoring a variety of goals he's scoring with his right foot he's scoring onside goals he's scoring offside goals uh, <laughs> uh, uh charlie davies yeah charlie davies make it happen um uh, uh, do we think that uh is, is this the end of the clint dempsey of uh, as a lone striker how how great would that be if if Klinsman just rolled out for the friendlies. Dempsey up top with Bradley underneath him again is just like, yep, we're doing this again. It's a solution. We can't stop until we get better at it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we have... Uh, that one delved a little too much into Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> the bridge is out. <laughs> we have 10 minutes left here. 347-756-6276. Uh, pleading with you to make this our, not our only show ever that... We haven't had a caller call in. Should we talk about? We've some, had past years. Should we talk about some oh, yeah, stadium, right. some stadium news? Uh, a little bit of good news, a little bit of bad news from this last week. Let's talk about Minnesota, place near and dear to your heart, Seth. Indeed, uh, Seth is a gopher. I, I am you a went gopher. To the University of, you went there too, right? I did. I'm a gopher. Yeah, I, uh, I went to the University of Minnesota. Minneapolis is my hometown, and my hometown. Didn't need to contribute any money to the Minnesota United Stadium effort. That was made clear, but. Unfortunately, those at the Capitol in St. Paul, which is not my hometown but close to it, uh, did not give Minnesota United the tax breaks that they were looking for to uh, help build the stadium. And now they're kind of in a little bit of limbo, and we're not – I don't think anyone's really sure what's going to happen. I think – at the least, it seems like the stadium effort is delayed, and if they do enter MLS in 2017 as they were supposed to, then they might have to do so in a temporary stadium. Um, you know, the options are they could play at the uh, University of Minnesota football stadium, TCF Bank Stadium, which the Vikings are using as a temporary home while their stadium is being built. Um I'm not sure if they would be able to use the new Viking stadium as the uh, Vikings ownership were trying to make that a uh, yeah that <laughs> was a little awkward a permanent solution that <laughs> yeah. that would be pretty great um otherwise uh they currently play in uh blaine which is a suburb so they could possibly expand that stadium for a couple years all right let's go to the phones here 610 you're on open wide for some soccer how can we help you hi uh, good evening uh just want to give you guys a call after your great request and want you guys not to have one for the night Nice. Thank nice. you. Thank you. Wait, do you have a question, or did you just want to call us? <laughs> uh, well, I did have a quick question. Um, it's more of USL, uh, US Open Cup related. I hope you guys don't mind. No, please. All right. Well, first off, earlier in the show, you asked, you said Long Tan was the leading scorer in history. He is with seven, but granted, <laughs> they did just come into existence last year. 
So don't don't say that. Him. Don't say that. <laughs> just yeah. just say he's the all-time uh, leading scorer. <laughs> leave it at that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sounds good. But going with the long tan thing. See, I'm from Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, we had a great winter, you guys. I don't know how Washington's still alive with the Wizards and the Nets, or excuse me, the uh, Capitals, and then you guys lost the DC United, or excuse me, the Philadelphia Union. So yeah, but you guys are still. Alive. Yeah, but, out um, of those three, DC is still reeling from the DC United loss to <laughs> Philadelphia. Yep. Yeah, that sounds uh, sounds part for the course. But I live in Raleigh now, and we're not far from the, the beach, and they have the Wilmington Hammerheads there. And I was wondering if you guys knew how the draw for the U.S. Open Cup goes, because I have not been able to see long tan play, and I would I would like to do that. So, is there a possibility that I could? him come over here i looked on the uh schedule and it seems they stay mostly regional for the usl they do the the first couple of rounds for sure are regional um yeah you're gonna have to face them in the uh in the final (laughs) (laughs) i know the um what is it the draw for the or well the schedule and all that stuff for the fourth round i think they're announcing tomorrow is it uh i mean Mm -hmm. yeah because there's a round of games tonight yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't think you're going to get that Wilmington Arizona United matchup you're dying oh, for no. until possibly the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, cause I was curious because I like to see the, the Railhawks or even take a trip up to Philly, which I do. I was wondering maybe I could get you uh, get a get a chance to see him, but it doesn't look like it's going to work out. Hey, uh, we, have you guys got to see any of the U.S. Open Cup uh, games on YouTube? I I haven't watched the you know I'm actually a huge fan of the tournament but I've been um I've been slacking this year on the earlier round games I I'm not gonna lie I typically sort of start paying attention to the third and the fourth round um, definitely when the MLS teams get involved I watch plenty of games you know almost oh, I, almost I think always you guys like it because I think uh, Univision sponsors sponsors it because the camera angle I was watching some of the Wilmington Hammerhead games. It, it was literally sideways. You had to turn your head <laughs> oh to get a oh my God. Could, picture of it. Could you guys imagine if they got the uh, MLS SAP team on like an early round U.S. Open Cup game between USL teams? Oh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You know, that, uh, welcome to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds versus West Virginia Chaos. Here in the, you know. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, I don't know. Great. Well, anyway, anyways, we appreciate the call. Thanks for uh, not making this the first show where we don't <laughs> receive any calls at all. <laughs> it was all my pleasure. Uh, you guys have a good night. All right, take care. Uh, random note: uh, I, Has this been addressed? Uh, now that we have so many MLS reserve teams in USL and these teams compete in the Open Cup, is there a scenario where we could have a Galaxy Galaxy Two matchup in the Open Cup? I, I I feel like they have some kind of mechanism in yeah. place to I, avoid that. I I mean, in the same way that you know, pro rel leagues have a mechanism to keep yeah, I, Real Madrid B from being promoted. Right, well, that's that's an easy one. You just don't ever promote them. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. I mean, well, yeah. I, I but it's a little harder in like a knockout tournament. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, like what around. if what if they? I mean, I believe it's designed so they don't face each other for a while. So it's pretty implausible but what if galaxy 2 go on the yeah. cinderella run and uh-huh. just face the galaxy in the final right that would be that would be pretty crazy right kurt Anolfo's redemption well di- i mean dc i mean dc united played richmond last year or it was uh, two years two ago years two years ago, ago. Yeah. that was yeah. weird you uh-huh. had uh, joe willis 
uh, or was it, it was Dykstra, Dykstra was playing for in a PK uh, shootout against his own team, essentially. Yeah, yeah, there were there were a number of players uh, playing for Richmond that were actually under contract yeah, to DC. Shinovsky was, yeah. Uh, Michael Seaton, I think, yeah. played in that game. Yep, I was waiting for uh, around like the 90th minute of that game when it was tied. For Olsen to just like send a signal, and Dykstra <laughs> would just turn around and punt the ball into his net. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. should we get back to the to the stadium stuff? Um, so we mentioned uh, Minnesota having some issues. Uh, there was some good news this week, though, from uh, LAFC, as they are currently known. Well, as it. Was this that's, that's, was this confirmed as part of the announcement? I know it was reported that they will remain LAFC. I think Strauss reported that <clears throat> those are their colors. That's their team name. Yeah. I think we knew all along it would be anyways. Yeah, at, yeah. The, at this point, that's kind of become their identity, even though they haven't been around for that long. It would for be better little... or for worse. They're, they're probably due for a rebrand already, <laughs> given their social media presence. And, oh, my uh, God. Yeah, I mean, they're going to obviously sign Nicholas Bentner to open up their new stadium. It would be uh, good, good signing. So LAFC, uh, they have secured a stadium for all intents and purposes. It's the it's not completely finalized yet. Yeah. But uh, a really nice looking model, uh, twenty two thousand seat, two hundred fifty million dollar, yeah, all privately financed. Yeah, pretty close to downtown, uh, in a spot near the Coliseum that obviously is frequently trafficked now. So it seems like it would be a good situation. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of uh, the stadium location battle in the yeah. burgeoning LA soccer wars, it would appear that LAFC has actually taken the lead in that it, it, aspect. I actually was thinking about this. If, uh, LF, if LAFC play their cards right and they have this stadium location and they make the right signings, I mean, they'll... I feel like they pretty easily would end up trumping the galaxy in terms of being the go-to destination. And Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Like, I mean, if you're Ronaldo and you want to come to MLS in 2018, are you going to go play, you know, near downtown at this brand new shiny stadium? Or are you going to play at the StubHub center, you know, in Cal, at Cal state Dominguez? All right, let's go to the phones again. Five, seven, one, you're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Hey, what's going on, guys? It's uh, Alex on Woodbridge. How's it going? Hey, what's going on? I uh, I heard you guys talking about the Minnesota Stadium. I wanted to see if there was actually any news about the uh, stadium at Buzzard Point, the new D.C. Stadium. Yeah. Um, okay, so Thomas and I actually had a chat with Jason Levian maybe two or three weeks ago. Uh, and he was sort of vague about things, said, you know, the they're, they're doing environmental studies and land assessments, that kind of stuff. Um Realistically, now though, I mean, there have there have been some, uh, you know, budgetary assessments and stuff that have gone through the council where uh, they're basically saying that you know the stadium is now targeted for 2018 opening, which uh, is you know that's the impression actually I always had. I mean, I think publicly the team and the council were saying 2017, but if you talk to mm-hmm. some of the people in the know at DC United and even council members, 2018 was essentially. Uh, you know, sort of always the target, the realistic target date. Yeah, it's uh, and and when we talked to Levian, we also got a little bit into the possibility of how the land would be allocated to the team, and specifically that acreage parcel that remains up in the air. And he they, he didn't say anything definitive, but said that it still hadn't been resolved and that they were 
prepared to go the route of uh, uh, eminent domain for for that parcel. So uh, that that process will make sure that the delays aren't too long, but as the talks drag out, it makes it more and more likely it's going to be 2018 instead of 17. Yeah, I will also say real quick, um, there's some concerns about the environmental sort of remediation that might be necessary at the site. Uh, I did notice, uh, did some research a few weeks ago, and they've actually already found a lot of contaminants there, but the team in the city worked out a deal where essentially you know, say the, say the soil at the site is contaminated. It's been an industrial area for a hundred years. Um, they essentially remove the soil and take it somewhere off site for processing. So uh, RFK, yeah, <laughs> they use it to bury RFK. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't even think that that would necessarily be some kind of huge holdup unless they find until they find the like 600 native American <laughs> exactly. burial sites that are, you know, yeah. and realize that the entire place is cursed and whatever, you know, the, the ghost of RFK. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> hopefully that's been good information for you. All right, cool. I appreciate it guys. All right. Take care. Yeah. It, it's been kind of funny seeing, uh, actually let's go right back to the phones. Eight one six. You're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? What's up, boys? How's it going? Just uh, just watching this this uh, this game right now. It's pretty good. Us too. Yeah, it's uh, we have it on the background here. Yeah, we've been resisting the urge to uh, just stop in the middle of whatever we're talking about whenever yeah. there's a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, former SKC comms guy. Josh Weisenhunt. I know, I know. I, I picked your voice out, I did Josh. too, actually. Oh, all right. Let's go. All right. So <laughs> this game, I want to ask you a question. This game is this game is making me feel good. It's kind of easing the pain from last night. Just a quick story, and I want to get your opinion. Sure. So I play in this co-ed indoor league on Tuesday nights with my work team. And last night, it's our last game of the year. It's, it's, an, in, it's an indoor. It's like on a, a gym floor at Thompson Elementary, 12th and out. Okay. So, not that great of like a level co-ed, whatever. Um, so I'm standing there last night. The game's about to. St- our game is about to start, and there's a game going on, like on the on the on the floor. And I'm standing there, and the ball is like rolling. It's like rolling slowly out of bounds, and I'm just standing on the sideline, like minding my own business. We're just waiting for this game to end. This kid, fucking like rolls up to the ball and like tries to like clear it out of bounds but he kicks it as hard as he can as hard as he can like three feet away point blank and it just catches me like where it counts oh, oh my god the god. entire game stopped i was so pissed but like i couldn't even say anything i was like but like i just want i just need some feedback like what kind of a move is that, dude? Like, why do you need to kick it out so hard? Like, you could literally, like, pass the ball out of bounds. Well, something I found I, is, I like, just... even in these leagues that are – okay, so I think, like, the less competitive the league, the more competitive people are for some reason. And, and the more the more dangerous it is, yeah. too. I mean, you get guys out like, there – Like, I'm going to be a fucking hero right, right now. Right, you get guys <laughs> out there that, like, maybe they don't know how to play soccer that well, and they know that their only chance of being a contributor to their team – is to go balls to the wall, one hundred percent effort, and that can be dangerous. Did you? What? How did you resolve the situation? I, did you? You know. Well, the game was still going on. There were still like two minutes left in the game, and it was just—it was such a, a weird feeling to me because 
there was nothing that I could really do about it. Like, if it happened to me, like, if I was a sub in the game and he did that, then, like, I probably would have crushed him the next time I got out on the field. <laughs> but then the ref blew a final whistle, and it's like I can't go up to the guy and be like, why did you do that? But at the same time, like, I really wanted to. I don't know. I just needed some feedback from you I, guys. I, I'll say uh, in my 7v7 finale last fall, I took a kind of an elbow to the side of the face that had me a little bruised for like a week. And it happened with like five minutes left. And I did pretty much exactly what you said you would have done. Like I, I kind of shook it off. And then the next time I saw the guy, I just took him out. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, absolutely. I was just like, that's kind of just what has to be yeah, done. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have, uh, Floyd, I mean, I w- technically speaking, I probably would have slit his throat. <laughs> you know. Pablo is one of the few people that plays rec soccer with knives in his socks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh my god! All right, boys, get back to it. I'm gonna watch the end of this game. Great job. Yeah, let's watch uh, Sporting KC blow this lead in three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, peace. All right, take care. Bye, See Josh. Ya. Let's uh, let's go right back to the. All you have to phones. do is ask for phone calls, and yeah, they no. come pouring in. Oh, never mind. They dropped. All right. Nope. Uh, what were we talking about? The, the thing I was going to bring up uh, was how I believe it was LAFC. Uh, maybe it was Minnesota United. One of those stadium deals, or maybe both, were talking about how they were shooting for 2017. And I, it's still, I was just kind of like, wow, like these deals that are just now coming into fruition are going to actually get done before the DC United Stadium that was announced back in December. Yeah, there seems to be a little bit of a musical chairs going on, too, with entering the league in 17 and 18. First, it was Atlanta and L.A. in 17 and Minnesota in 18. And then L.A.'s like, our stadium's not going to be ready till 18, so Minnesota's going to take our spot in 17. But then Minnesota has a bunch of question marks over their stadium, so I don't know what's going to happen. Now we have another call. Yeah, 301, you're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Hey, I'm here from the Maryland suburbs. Um, Just wanted to put out a quick footnote there. So last week, was it one week ago or two weeks ago in the New York Derby or whatever they're calling it, Hudson River rivalry, whatever. Two weeks ago. Hashtag Um, New York soccer wars. With a Z. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I was thinking, like, I'm watching this game and all the build-up to it, and they're like, this is the biggest rivalry in the history of MLS or something. And it caught me down wondering. I'm like, hey, Red Bulls, we're supposed to hate each other. Like, who's this other? Like, I feel like I'm being cheated on. <laughs> I feel like Maryland against Duke when Duke is really rivals in UNC. I mean, I think I think this gets into a situation with MLS where the league is still new enough where even, say, you could easily make an argument that D.C. New York is – you know, it might not be the most relevant uh, rivalry anymore because I think sort of Cascadia rules everything when it comes to that. But, you know, it's it certainly obviously has some history. But, I mean, don't kid yourself. This NYCFC Red Bulls, I mean, if they play a couple of competitive games, it will take no time at all for that to become maybe one of the biggest rivalries in MLS. I mean, geographically, totally. and it's there's a lot more at play. You have Red Bulls fans who have an inferiority complex in, our, in Jersey. You have these sort of like... Yankees owned, you know, NYCFC and their organization's a tire fire, but they're in the city. You know, I mean, there's like MLS is young enough to where most of the most of the rivalries are narrative based. They're not based. 
based on MLS 1.0 trophies going on here. So I, I know, I know, but get bigger than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think I think you, you talk to any player on the Red Bulls or DC, ask Ben Olsen, you know, about that rivalry, and it's still a huge fucking deal. But yeah, it it, it is. Yeah, it, it it is a big deal, and I, I think you're getting into a situation where uh, it is sort of like being cheated on because I think DC United, by far their biggest rival, is still the Red Bulls. But on the other hand, the Red Bulls have this new rivalry. The good news is, at the current rate of MLS expansion, oh, yeah. there should a, be a team in Arlington by like no, 2030. Like FC, <laughs> FC Sporting Prince William United. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Prince George's the County. 2,000 fans coming out for the Richmond Kickers and they're like, man, get a stadium plan? We could put this into the MLS expansion. That's all it takes is a stadium plan. Yeah. If you find some schmoes in Richmond with $150 million. Rich, Richmond, D.C. would be an amazing rivalry just because of the Civil War connotations. <laughs> exactly. Union Confederacy. I mean, actually. talk about some history. Jefferson Davis it's, FC. Especially if they change the, exactly, change the name to, like, you know, the Richmond racists. I don't know. Something. <laughs> Slave owners. I was going to say, like, Confederate FC. Confederate FC. Yeah. Um, I I will say this is kind of a lofty comparison, but teams can have more than one rival. Uh, Watch La Liga this year, and at uh, Real Madrid-Barcelona, Real Madrid-Atletico, those matchups are equally intense, and they, they don't take anything away from each other. So maybe DC, New York, and NYC, FC, New York, and coexist in MLS. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, appreciate the call, man. Thanks, sir. Yep. I have All right, to say, now where were we? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it is kind of an issue, though. I, I have to say, um, as a uh, Minnesota Vikings fan, like our biggest rival is the Green Bay Packers by far. Yeah. Like, we hate the Packers. And the Packers don't even consider us their biggest rival. It's the Bears. Yeah, I so mean, I... Like, as the caller brought up, I went to Maryland, and the Maryland-Duke game was... It, the event of the year for a University of Maryland student. It, people would camp out. You would go to all the crappy out-of-conference games earlier in the year so you could build up the loyalty points to get your Duke ticket. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that, the atmosphere for the Duke game was ten times what it would be for any other game. And Duke's actual rival is UNC. I right, mean, to, yeah. to the caller, look on the bright side. At least DC is in Philadelphia. I feel like the Union are just sort of, like, trying to make fetch happen – with both D.C. and New York, and I don't think either team really considers them to be a rival. I, yeah, I do, I do feel like, at least in, in proximity, you know, it should be Philadelphia, but I think there, there's too much natural animosity between yeah. D.C. and New York just as cities, and I think D.C. views Philadelphia and says, meh. And, and it's one of the only rivalries in MLS that actually has a history on the field. So. Right. And uh, maybe we can cap by talking about the union uh, yeah, uh, yes, yes, they, let's, please. <laughs> the uh, the Union really, uh, they need to have a few more winning seasons to build up that rivalry against D.C., but and I, I don't think it's going to happen. This year. <laughs> yeah, but well, yeah, it's, I feel it's, uh, obviously it's got to win, and they are right in the playoff chase because MLS. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Thomas, you, you tweeted out a quote from Jim Curtin after the game, which yeah. was amazing, where he was just like, yeah, we're in the playoff race now. We probably shouldn't be, but yep. we are. Even though, like, I didn't put the whole quote. He was just like, we don't deserve to be, but <laughs> we are. Um, yeah, it's uh, 
It's crazy, but that, uh, bear in mind that, that Montreal has 13 games in hand. <laughs> right. So it's uh, you go to those games, and their fans can be a little crude, but they're passionate, and it it sucks that they've had all these years of nothing really to cheer for and they had, one, one playoff appearance. They had and, that uh, that great a great cheer this past weekend that was actually directed directly at me um, by two Union fans, and it was. Um, if you uh, if you represent in Congress, clap your hands. Okay. <laughs> if you represent in Congress, clap your hands. Okay. And it was that's... like I literally just had to turn around and smile and like nod in appreciation to those fans. <laughs> Good for them for knowing that. Well, we are representing Congress, though. You have right. Eleanor Holmes uh, Norton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just we, it should be. She just if, can't vote. If you have voting representation in Congress, clap your hands. I guess it's just a little bit. I think. Yeah. yeah. It's Maybe a little. You're getting out, a little yeah. nitpicky. Fuck you, Seth. <laughs> We have someone there, okay? She's very nice. She can talk to people. Yeah. She she puts resolutions up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the the union, it's, during preseason, I looked at their lineup, and I was just like, you know what? This team will make the playoffs. They they got a striker, Arista Gieta. They got a center back in Vittoria. They made some moves. They, you know, seemed to have come to a definitive decision on what was going on in that goalkeeper position. Mm-hmm. And... Those three things I've listed have all gone horribly wrong. The first two for injuries lately, and the goalkeeper thing is just a. Uh, uh, we've discussed that before, but it's uh, it's unfortunate. I'd like to see that market have a winner. It's such a great stadium, great great facility, and uh, it's it's unfortunate that they've just kind of have struggled in MLS. Yeah, one goalkeeper stat that I'll I'll bring up before we wrap up: uh, Brian Silvestri. Now has as many wins as Rice and Bully. <laughs> God. All right. I think, I, think, I think, by the way, real quick, just to touch on that Bully situation, which we've done enough, but how incredible was Curtin's, like, we're going to have him training at a separate, like, away from the team. Right. Like, he's going to be training, like, at a satellite training facility. <laughs> like, they're going to build a shed for him or something. Yeah. Uh, I think he just means he's going to be training at, like the local YMCA. Yeah, exactly. All right, yeah. we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling at the end of the show. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.